Hello, and welcome to Farm and Field Notes, a podcast about Vermont farmers, food producers, and policymakers working to build a robust local food system. I'm your host, Peggy Briggs, and today our guest is Jesse Price, Editor-in-Chief of Eating Well magazine. Jesse has been at the helm of Eating Well as Editor-in-Chief since 2013, where she oversees the editorial content across all Eating Well media platforms, including the magazine, books, digital, and brand extensions. She's worked on 13 Eating Well cookbooks and is the author of the James Beard award-winning The Simple Art of Eating Well. Welcome to Farm and Field Notes, Jesse. Hey there, Peggy. Thank you so much for having me. It's great to have you here. Eating Well was launched in Vermont way back in 1988. Can you tell us a bit about the magazine's trajectory since its founding? The magazine has been around for 30 years now, and um, the trajectory has been absolutely amazing. So today, Eating Well is the largest um, food lifestyle magazine in the country. Um, We have 1.775 million subscribers, which is truly astounding when you look back 30 years ago at where we came from, which is you know, we started out as a little sort of niche publication in the farm fields of Charlotte, where our first offices were. And um, we were very focused on food and health, but also where your food comes from. And that was, you know, our, our mission from the beginning. And at that time, when we started, it was, it was a niche. But today, um, the world has, has come to you know, see things the the eating well way and very much come to um, be very focused on where your food comes from. So that's what has allowed us to grow so large um, that and um, we were purchased by Meredith Publishing, which is a, you know, the biggest publishing company in the United States. And so that, of course, also has helped us grow tremendously. Your readers are nationwide, in fact, worldwide, but your work is produced here in Vermont. How does the location of the head office, uh, where Vermonters have a close connection to the ag community and food producers, influence your content creation? You know, I think that Vermont is very much a part of our DNA. We, of course, are talking to a national audience. And so, um, you know, we have to keep that in mind when we're thinking about seasonality. We don't just think about the Vermont seasons necessarily, you know, we're considering Texas and Florida and California because our readers are all over. But, you know, in terms of of how Vermont has influenced our take on food and what we put in the magazine, um, I'd say, you know, that that interest in how your food is produced, who's growing it and and um, what its impacts on the environment and the community are is a hundred percent driven by the fact that we've, uh, you know, we're started in Vermont and remain in Vermont. I can't help but ask you about this period of COVID nineteen. How have your readers' cooking habits changed, and what information are they looking for right now? You know, so so things changed obviously very quickly for people um, in March, and a lot of those shifts that we saw then are still in place, but you know, six months in, it it, it is starting to look a little bit different. Obviously, people began cooking a whole lot more and um, started trying cooking. And that included people who had never been into it before, which is great. And we're hearing from um, not just Eating Well readers, but all of Meredith Publishing readers that they plan to continue 
even after the pandemic, cooking more. So I think that's great. That's one of the easiest ways for people to be a little bit healthier is just cook at home. So um, I love that part of the trend. Um, We also have seen a lot more interest in drinking and cocktail recipes. Obviously, baking had a huge uptick. And that was, yes, sourdough and other kinds of bread, but all sorts of baking recipes right now heading into the, let's just call it the baking season. And so it's going to continue for a while. You know, and then in terms of what has changed over time during the pandemic, in the beginning, people were very much sort of, if they had been very focused on healthy eating before, a lot of that sort of went out the window and people wanted comfort food and rich food. And now we're seeing people coming back to being focused on healthy and weight loss related articles and food that, you know, people maybe packed on that COVID-19 and, and want, you know, a little bit more control back in their lives now. Here in Vermont, consumers are definitely making a shift towards local purchasing directly from farmers and other producers. Is that a trend you're seeing nationwide? And does that factor into your editorial choices? We're seeing two big things in terms of a shift, um, and they are totally opposite. And they are reflected in our um, two different articles that will be in our November issue. On the one side, we are seeing a tremendous spike in hunger and need with the pandemic. And then on the other side, we're seeing a much more privileged thing happen, which is people going to this very sort of um, local and high-end and specialized approach to getting their groceries and their goods from the pandemic. So Um, We had one author share with us her experience of how her shopping shifted from, you know, going to her local supermarket in Brooklyn, or is actually a a local co-op, I think that she shopped at, you know, a couple times a week to um, shifting to a CSA and getting all her meat from ButcherBox and getting salmon shares from Sitka Salmon. You know, she described it as a high-tech, slow-food hybrid, and I thought that was a really interesting and savvy way to talk about it. There's a lot of um, companies out there who who are sort of serving that kind of consumer today. And um, I think that shift really accelerated during the pandemic. And I think it'll it'll stick around. On the flip side, you know, hunger, Feeding America, the nonprofit, saw a 60% increase in demand at their at food banks across the US during the pandemic. And that also right now is still a huge problem as you know we are very slowly recovering economically. Uh, you've been editor-in-chief now for seven years. What challenges has 2020 delivered to you? <laughs> well, you know, 2020, yeah. I mean, it, it's been really a crazy, crazy year. Um, Mid-March, we went home and... Um, We all learned how to use a bunch of technology that we hadn't used really before. You know, we started doing a ton of WebExes. We, the whole team got on Slack immediately. Um, We have a publishing program called Woodwing, which allows us all to work on our magazine pages um, collaboratively as a team. And, um, you know, I think 
within two or three weeks, everyone was pretty comfortable with all that technology. And we were able to just keep on running with our work. And, you know, we didn't miss a beat. We didn't miss a deadline. We didn't miss a page. We didn't miss a story. We just kept on going. Um, You know, I'd say the biggest challenge for us is communicating with a team, a creative collaborative team from remote, uh, you know, is is different. And so you got to adapt to that. Tell me a bit about your editorial team. Who are the writers, the photographers, the recipe testers that make eating well come alive? Well, that's a great question. I mean, every magazine is built by a team. Uh, You know, the editor-in-chief is just sort of, you know, I just stand up here. I'm the figurehead. What do I have to do? Um, You know, our our creative director, James Van Flatteren, is absolutely amazing. He has a team that works with him, you know, including especially uh, his his photo director, Maria Emighausen. You know, every single photo, the art team is working for for weeks ahead of time, thinking about how we're going to shoot XYZ person or piece of food? You know, what plate is it going to be on? What's the background going to be? What is the lighting going to be? Who's the perfect photographer to do it? That's a, you know, key part of a magazine is the art. And then then I have my whole food team led by Jim Romanoff, our food editor, and um, all of our recipes are being basically concepted, then developed or assigned to outside writers and then tested in our test kitchen. And then um, finally, we have our nutrition team. And, um, you know, that's that's a key part of the eating well formula, which is being very rooted in science in terms of our nutrition advice. Tell me a little bit about your editorial balance. How are you picking, you know, the balance between recipes and more content-related stories? You know, I think about, gosh, I don't know exactly what the percentage of pages are, but I would say it's roughly... 60, 40 recipe pages to other types of content. Um, you know, the, the other types of content are um, health, nutrition, and sustainability focused stories primarily. But then we, you know, sprinkle in a little bit of other stuff like fitness, you know, which makes sense. You know, if, if someone's into eating well and being healthy, uh, you know, a lot of times they also want to be fit. Um, we cover, um, you know, kitchens because our readers love to cook. So we'll talk about, you know, our favorite appliances, our favorite tools or kitchen remodel ideas. And we sprinkle in a little bit of lifestyle content as well. I think, uh, your industry has seen, there's been a lot of press and attention surrounding other national food magazines, most notably Bon Appetit for falling short on hearing a diverse range of voices in their editorial choices. Is this something Eating Well is thinking about? Yeah, Peggy, you know what? That is something we've always thought about and, um, you know, have always strived to have good racial representation and diversity in the pages, both in terms of the stories that we cover, but also in terms of the photography and the images that we choose for the magazine, the people who we're showing on our pages. And, you know, as all this has been going on, we have done sort of, you know, a a hard look to say, you know, okay, let's look at, you know, our last two years of magazines and how have we done? Are we doing okay? You know, in terms of representation and, you know, what we found in looking back at that stuff is, yeah, we feel like we actually are are doing okay. 
um, in terms of representation on our pages. But where we are not doing okay is in terms of the the contributors. So writers of color, photographers of color, um, and also even on our staff. So those are areas that we are consciously going to really, really push on in the next, you know, whatever, moving forward forever. Tell us how social media has changed the game for eating well. Um, I love your Instagram live feeds. It brings everything to life and you are suited for that medium. Can you talk about what it's like doing Instagram live? Yeah, well, uh, I, I need to just give myself a little plug for anyone listening. Come follow me. I'm at Jesse Eats Well on Instagram. Um, you know what? I love doing live because it's not taxing in the way that an edited video is. You basically just get ready. The clock ticks down. It's, you know, whatever time you're starting and then you go. And, you know, it's not scripted. It's loose. It's fun. You know, people are asking you questions or making comments and you can talk back with them. And I mean, it's just, it's a very easy format for me, I think. Um, it's, it is a little nerve wracking. Like before you get going, you're like, oh man, am I going to remember what I'm supposed to be doing? And the end result is it doesn't really matter. Like, it's not like you have to like, Hey, if I don't get to one certain thing that I wanted to talk about, it's not the end of the world. So I just have fun with it. Along those lines, um, what are the future plans for eating well? Do you have any kind of new ideas? We have a fun themed issue that we're about to get working on called What's Next for uh, the April issue. And that one is very much going to be looking at some really cool, funky stories about people who are doing some very innovative stuff with food. Some guys in Kentucky who are taking food waste and turning it into these really high-end artisanal vinegars. There is a Chinese restaurant in Long Island where an MIT um, engineer and a doctor have collaborated to do this robotically cooked Chinese food. So that's crazy and fun. And I'm hoping they're going to let us photograph the robots doing the cooking. Oh, another one in there is this guy who's created this um, thing called App Harvest, where basically they are taking abandoned coal mines, I think it's in Virginia, and um, converting them into um, basically farms. So using that land and using people who are out of work, you know, former coal workers to grow at scale, I think tomatoes is the first crop they're starting with. Perhaps coming around the dinner table this fall is going to be a bit of salve for all of us during this challenging time. Let's uh, look at what autumn foods inspire you and what are you looking forward to cooking this fall? I love soup. I absolutely love soup. And I make some soups in the summer, most notably gazpacho I always have on hand, but I'm, I'm turning towards, you know, warm, comforting soups. I just, I can't get enough. <laughs> me too. Me too. Before you go, let's play a short game. I'm going to name an ingredient and you give me your personal favorite eating well recipe to make that ingredient shine. For example, chicken for me, I would say hands down the chicken cutlets and sun-dried tomato cream sauce recipe 
I do at least once a month. <laughs> it's my favorite. Okay, so oh let's God. go. I don't know if I'm going to be able to answer these. That's okay. Ahead. We'll give it a try. Pumpkin. <laughs> oh my God, this is hard. Okay, I like this one because of the look. It is a stuffed pumpkin. It was developed by Virginia Willis. It's just awesome for like a holiday spread. It's vegetarian and it has, I can't remember exactly what's in there. I think it's, there's pecans, but it's like a bread stuffing. It's super savory. Mushrooms in there. It's really good. Cumin. Oh, man. One of our favorite contributors is Raghavan Iyer. He grew up in India and uh, lives in Minneapolis now. And he is an absolute master with the spices. And so our October issue is our 30th anniversary issue. And we were looking back at some of our favorite recipes from over the years. And one of Raghavan's recipes is a in that issue is a wok seared chicken and vegetables. It is beautiful. So it has whole red chilies. It has um, carrots and bell peppers, but then it has cumin seeds. It has coriander seeds, fennel seeds, and you toast them in a hot skillet. So it really brings out their aroma and then you grind them and then you mix that in with your um, stir fry. And it is, I mean, just outstanding. And it is worth looking for the whole seeds of these spices and worth doing the toasting for sure. And last one, um, one of my favorite fall vegetables, fennel. Okay, so fennel, I agree with you. Also one of my favorite fall vegetables. And also in this October anniversary issue, there is a salad, which was one of my picks for the issue called the winter salad with toasted walnuts. Um, This is a salad that was developed by a real maven of vegetarian cooking, Deborah Madison. Um, And it is one of the first salads, uh, actually one of the first recipes that I tested when I joined Eating Well. And it's very simple. So it has um, a mix of sort of bitter and soft greens. You can do whatever you want. So it could be watercress, it could be escarole, it could be frise. Then it also has um, Belgian endive in it. And then it has thinly sliced fennel. And then this I thought was so weird when I tested it, raw sliced mushrooms, which I thought, that's, you know, like not very yummy. They're so good in this salad. And then this dressing where you finely dice up a shallot, you put in some Dijon mustard, and then you add walnut oil and a little bit of red wine vinegar. And the amount of shallot in it seems so outrageous relative to the amount of oil and vinegar, but it just makes the most delicious dressing. And that salad, I mean, it is a killer and I love making it for any holiday meal in the winter. All right, Jesse, thanks for joining us today. Uh, Editor-in-Chief of Eating Well Magazine. I'm looking forward to your autumn issues and dare I say it, the holiday recipes you'll be bringing up this season. Thanks so much for having me, Peggy. Peggy. 